that pissed me off. But we don't speak about Buffalo if you don't know what this city and what this fan base is like. The Buffalo Bill fans, the greatest in the NFL. Go do something about it. Josh Allen. Davius White. Jermaine Edmonds. Welcome back to this edition of the Overtime Podcast presented by the Colfer Report. I'm your host, Clayton Garrett, and joining me tonight is the one and only Mr. Fred Kilmartin. Fred, how you doing, man? I am doing great. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for asking. All right. Before we get into this positional breakdown, I want to have a conversation of perspective and how much substance and how significant do you think all the news that comes out of training camp really is, good or bad, all of this news that comes out of training camps, at the end of the day, they're reporting practice. And it's a much different perspective than if we would have in the middle of the season. We're not, we're not getting live info from practice, what goes on play by play. How much substance do you give, do you put into what goes on in training camp throughout the dog days of summer before preseason games really start? I mean, the only thing that I really concern myself with as far as training camp is probably injuries. I think that's more important than finding out that uh, so-and-so caught four passes. Uh, it's practice. Uh, everything is scripted. Uh, most of the time they do all the classwork before they even come out on the football field. So it's pretty much like a walkthrough, basically. I mean, they play a little thud. They have a little fun. But I'm really only concerned with uh, the injuries. I I'm more concerned if someone is injured, if they're back practicing, if they just got injured. How severe is the injury? So I would have to say, as far as substance and practices, I think injuries are more important than stat-wise from a practice, to be honest. I, I have to agree with that. Because the biggest thing is just to get through this process with all of your key contributing parts on the team still intact and everybody's healthy and everybody's ready to go when these games really matter rather than the four preseason games that we have to play through when they – don't necessarily matter when it comes to making the playoffs and being in contention for a Super Bowl. Now, really where I stand on all this is you see these reports coming out and you have to remember, it's the only thing that we really have to talk about. It's the only thing to talk about is while the public has access to these practices, like you and I, we went this past Saturday, this past Sunday, and we got to see it in person. Now, the thing is, is specifically with a, a player like Robert Foster. People are talking about Robert Foster as if he shouldn't even be on this football team. And where I have an issue with that is, yeah, Robert Foster might drop some passes in practice. But guess what? Why would you cut a receiver like Robert Foster? What good reason do you have to cut a receiver like Robert Foster? He's inexpensive. He's 25 years old going into his second season, and he has very promising traits that you can develop in the later stages of his career. He's only in his second season. You're developing him along with a young franchise quarterback in Josh Allen, who looked to him often in his favorite part of the field in the deep, deep portion of the field last season when he had the most success he had last season when he came back from his injury. 
Well, the thing is, is that I don't see this kid getting cut, to be quite honest with you. I don't know who's starting these rumors, but uh, the Bills see something in this kid and they like him. And not only that, but Dable likes him because Dable's a Bama boy. Um, the thing is, is that you are going to make mistakes. That's why it's called practice, okay? You practice to fix your mistakes so when you got a real game, you're on all, running on all cylinders. As far as this kid, I mean, like you said, he's inexpensive. He's young yet. They're not going to cut him. I see him as the fourth receiver on this team, to be honest with you. I, I see it being John Brown, Cole Beasley, Zay Jones, and then Robert Foster. How are they trying to say that this kid's getting dropped all the way down past all these other uh, Easley and uh, David uh, Seals? I mean, I, I don't see that. Even Duke Williams, if if anybody's in trouble of not making this team, I'm going to have to say that Duke Williams. Um, and then you got uh, Andre Robinson. Is that his name? Uh, Roberts. Roberts, yeah. Well, I mean, he's probably realistically he's in the top five, two receiver on this team. But I don't see them cutting uh, Robert Foster. I, I don't see it. I mean – they, you know, they, they put him on the practice squad last year. Then they activated him again to the 53-man roster because they saw something in this kid. And guess what? He was two different players when he came back after being uh, off the team. He came back. He was two different players. He could take the top off the defense. He's got good hands, and he runs great routes. Why would you not want to keep an inexpensive, talented football player? I, that makes no sense to me. It, it's beyond me. It's really beyond me. It's just a, such a ridiculous take. People are just reading so far into the negative reports coming, from, coming out of camp of Robert Foster. Robert Foster dropped X amount of passes in practice on Wednesday. Okay, he dropped X amount of passes, and you got to see that. But guess what? If the Bills are 3-0 and coming into new era, getting ready to play the New England Patriots, and Robert Foster drops a pass on a Wednesday practice, is anybody going to really care? Is that what people are really going to know about it? No, That's nobody – Nobody's going to know about it. And even if they did know about it, okay, who cares? All right. Just because you do one thing wrong doesn't mean that that's your, that's your career. You know what I mean? This is why we pra they practice. This is why they have these practices. I mean, I imagine all these guys are out there making mistakes. You got to remember, they haven't even had a preseason game yet. This is what, the second – this is the second week of training camp? Right. I mean, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have some rust. You're still adjusting as a team. You're still adjusting as new teammates. You're still – I guarantee the Bills are putting in uh, new, new systems. They're adding to the systems, rather, that they already have in place. So you're learning – I mean, you're going to have that. you got to remember. I just I, – you got to give the kids some time. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And just – it's – it really confuses me. I don't know why people just ham fist this theory that Robert Foster is potentially going to lose his roster spot. Who the hell beyond Robert Foster is better than him? If Robert, if Zay Jones and John Brown, who have both had injury history in their careers, go down with an injury and Robert Foster and Ray McLeod are starting, I'm fine with that. But you cut Robert Foster. Who are you keeping instead of Robert Foster? David Sills? Are you keeping an undrafted free agent who, yeah, they were excited to get him, but he's not better than Robert Foster. I haven't seen David Sills catch three touchdowns and have 400-some-odd yards that Robert Foster had. He had three 100-yard games consecutively last season. I, I don't see it. I don't understand it. It's just mind-boggling to me, and I, I really want to put it to bed, and I'm sick of the, the people on Twitter just pushing this theory that's just non-existent and they're reading too far into small camp reports by the day. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I haven't really seen that or heard about that, but I – it's got to be just fake news, just to be honest with you. There's no way. There's no way 
you don't you don't activate a player to a 53 man roster, give him all the plays. He makes plays, and then then you come back the next year and say, okay, you dropped two passes, you're out of here. (laughs) That's not how the NFL works. It's ridiculous. (laughs) But, uh, all right, so today, the the meat and potatoes of today's episode is really going to be discussing the defensive line as a whole. And today we're going to start off with the defensive tackles. And I think it's it's very important to note that since this – front office has taken over and this regime has come into the come into Buffalo they've invested much more than you would initially think at the defensive tackle position specifically okay because in 2017 they give Starla Tule a 50 million dollar contract that same year they draft Harrison Phillips in the third round and then the following year they draft Ed Oliver at the ninth overall pick in the draft they've this front office has invested heavily at the interior defensive lineman position. Fred, what are your thoughts on it specifically? The reason why is because it's Frazier's defense. It's ultimately his defense. And his defense goes by having the big guys push that pile in the middle. That's, that's why they're looking to get that combination that will work for them. Sort of like when he had the William boys in Minnesota. They pushed that pile, and it helped those ends that weren't all pros get off the edge and get pressure on the quarterback. And we are, we're not getting pressure. If you think about it, we were, what, ranked number two overall last year? I think we gave up 176, um, 176 passing plays or passing yards per game. So that's yards high. Per game, yeah. And yet we only had, what, 34 sacks last year? We didn't put a lot of pressure on it. Think about what this defense would look like when they do get pressure coming off the edge or coming up the middle with that secondary and linebacking core we have. And that's what it is. It ultimately, it boils down, they want to put more pressure on the imposing quarterback. That's what it boils down to. So they're going to keep adding pieces to that defensive line until they find the right, right combinations. And right now, I think with Jordan Phillips, you add in um, Ed Oliver. Um, Harrison Phillips now is on his second year. Uh, you, you, got, you got some players now. You, you got some players. There there's, shouldn't be any reason why we can't push that pile. Star Latouli, I mean, I think that he's, he, he's that player that, you know, they, they thought that they had something in him, but the other players around him are getting better. So who knows? Maybe he's not here next year. Maybe he's not here this year. Maybe he's traded. You know, Bean likes to do different things uh, with different players as far as trading, and he does like his draft pick. So we'll have to see how it plays out. I'm one player I'm the most optimistic about is Ed Oliver. And while I'm very optimistic and I believe he has the potential to be a very high end interior pass rusher in this league, I also have to temper my expectations a bit when observing what Ed Oliver is. Ed Oliver is a 21 year old rookie that came out of the university of Houston and he didn't really play top tier competition while in college. He, he wasn't at a power five school. He was one of the only five star recruits to not go to a power five school. And I, maybe I'm reading too much of it, too much into it myself. Yeah, but it doesn't matter what school he we went to. This kid was still seeing triple and double teams. You're seeing okay. triple and double teams, but are any of those linemen he's seeing on a weekly basis going to go into the NFL or start in the NFL? It doesn't matter. But the fact is, is that, um, He's still, these are still college linemen that are, you know, triple teaming this kid, and he was still putting pressure on the quarterback. Nope. So the Bills are going to be patient with him, obviously, because he is a rookie. Um, you know, you don't want to overwhelm him. They're going to gradually put him into the system. I heard today that he was working with the ones, basically, and I also heard that uh, 
he was making plays again. So that's, that's what you want to see. You want to see your young player develop, and you want to see him learning. But you can't overwhelm these guys. Like you said, he's 21 years old. He's still young. He's still a young man, so he's still learning. So it, they're, they're going to be patient with him. I, I kind of like the kid. I, I hear he's got a motor. But guess what? Doesn't matter what you do. What doesn't matter what your roster looks like on paper, what you do in practice, if it's games. That, that's where it starts counting in games. See how that real game experience, see what he does when he's got uh, another opposing team across from him trying to stop him and the lights are on. We'll see how the kid performs. Yeah, I, I really look forward to seeing how he performs come regular season when he's playing top tier competition, NFL quality talent. And really one player that I'm, look forward to seeing is Jordan Phillips specifically. Jordan yeah. Phillips is very unique with the size he stands at 6'6 and weighs 325 pounds while possessing very unique foot speed for that size. He can play either the one or three technique position and, that, and you know how McDermott and Leslie Frazier love their, the versatility especially along with their linemen along the interior. I think that the Bills got a real diamond in the rough last year when they picked up a former second round pick and Jordan Phillips off waivers from Miami. I think he's really going to be an X factor on this defense. And you touched on it a minute ago, possibly long-term replace Starlo Tulele and get us out of that ugly contract. Now he is, he is only on a one-year deal. So if he was going to come back to Buffalo, there would have to be an immediate, an immediate move made at the end of this season, dictating whether he's going to come back to the bills or he's going to go elsewhere. Well, the but, thing is that uh... If the Bills like what they see in him, and, and I know that he is, he's already growing on Buffalo fans because he's kind of growing on me. I kind of like his, uh, his demeanor. I, I like his attitude, and I like his gameplay. I mean, he is a baller. He's, very big, he's a very big guy, but he, he's very quick for the, his size. And here's the thing. If the Bills like him, they're going to have the money to sign this guy next year, maybe to another two- or three-year contract because the Bills are going to be sitting on probably over $100 million in cap space. So – and it's probably going to be based on performance base. And I, I think that's a lot of these contracts that Bean does is, is, is based on the performance. And like I said, if this guy comes out, because he came in, what, towards the middle, towards the, of the season last year, right? He started playing. Six or seven. He, six or yeah, he wasn't there the full season. Now you give him a full season with the Bills or, or full off season with the Bills. He's learning the system. Let's see how he performs. But I – just based on what I watched last year with this guy, I, I was impressed with him picking up the defense as well as he did. And he, and he probably could be a, a stud. He might be another one of those X factors, so to speak, on this defense that's not getting a lot of talk about. And like I said, got a full offseason now with the Bills. Let's see how he performs. Right. And we talk about star – and how disgusting the contract that he has on our team. I believe he's the highest paid player on our team. And it, it, the production that he shows in the stat sheet, it's just, it, it's minimalistic and it's not much to be seen. It's not, there's not much to be found. And really where I stand on Starla Tule, while he is overpaid, he is extremely valuable to this defense. He's extremely valuable to this defense. When, Ed Oliver was brought onto the team. Sean McDermott talked about how it's funny because he had a veteran defensive tackle guiding Starla Tule along in Carolina. Now stars with him in Buffalo guiding this first round pick along on the sidelines and being that veteran leader. Starla Tule does a lot of things that fans 
don't see and don't really appreciate from an X's and O level and from a game film level. Because you have Starla Tule and he has the size, the, the size he possesses, he's going to command two blockers every single play. He's going to command two blockers in the run game. And now you have an Ed Oliver and you have a guy like Starla Tule in that one technique position. He's occupying two blockers. What are you going to do with that Oliver? Are you going to double team him too? And then you have mismatches on the edge. What it's really, it's the mismatches that Starla Tule and Ed Oliver can create as a pair that we couldn't really see with Kyle Williams as Kyle Williams was going to the twilight of his career and wasn't really the effective pocket, pocket pushing pass rusher that he was early in the prime of his career. You know what the thing that Starla Tule is missing? He's not aggressive. He's not aggressive, aggressive at all. I don't think we have anybody that's aggressive. And that could be the point that McDermott was making, that he wants the defense to get nasty and more physical. Starla Tui's a quiet guy. I mean, I've seen him at the practices. You know, I, he's quiet. You don't hear anything out of him. You don't see a lot of interviews with the guy. He's got to get a mean side to him. He's got to catch an attitude. You're playing football. You know what I mean? You're down in the trenches. You're battling you know, you got to catch an attitude. Get mean. The, the guy doesn't have it. I don't... Yeah, his demeanor is very low. You know what I mean? He's just – he's got to get a mean streak to him. Yeah, I, I understand with what you're saying with his personal demeanor and how he carries himself, but I feel that, that that's more of his personality. And he wouldn't have been given the contract he was – I mean, yes, he was overpaid, but they wouldn't have given him the contract if he hadn't earned it while he was in Carolina because these guys are the guys that drafted him. Sean McDermott coached him in Carolina. They placed a lot more in star than fans really can see with face value because all, all, all us fans can see is just the contract that he was given and then the 46% snap count that he had. But right. where, I, where I see the value with star in all honesty, is you don't see Frey Edmonds and Matt Milano fly around making plays sideline to sideline if you don't have a guy, a big guy like Starla Tule, occupying blockers on the inside of that defense. Because those guards and those centers, they're going to make their way up to the linebackers, run plays specifically, when that, that is their job. And if you, you can't do that if you have a guy like Starla Tulule that, uh, that's occupying your, your gap because they got to take care of the first level before they get to the second level. And I don't think you see a player like Matt Milano break out the way you did in 2018 if you don't have a player like Starla Tulule on the roster. That, that's where my pro-star opinion comes from is what he does for the players around him. While he is a quiet – he doesn't have much production that you will see in the stat sheet, he quietly helps – all of the players around him be better football players as a whole. I just think that he needs to put up more numbers. That's my opinion. I think that he needs to get an attitude, put up more numbers, push a little bit more. But you know what? It could be the rotation, too, that he's in because we already know that McDermott likes to run that defensive line like it's a hockey shift. You know what I mean? They get in there, they're out. They're in and out. So he's always, he's always shifting and, and switching up those combinations. Maybe it's a line mate. Maybe they haven't found the perfect combination with him yet. To where they can work together and like you said he hasn't only been here well a year so now you know he's going to be here for a second year and you know they're, they're looking for a leader on that side of that of uh, the ball anyway so maybe he, that's where he comes in maybe he can be that leader a vocal uh, voice of reason and you know motivating these guys but 
I, like I said, my biggest thing is with, I just don't think he's aggressive enough. And, you know, $50 million for this team, you got to remember, we're young. All these players are under rookie contracts. You know, we got to just sign Jerry Hughes. So I think there's only uh, Star Latuli and Jerry Hughes right now that are actually taking a big chunk of our, our cap. And it's not really a lot. So we'll see what happens, though. You talk about a big chunk of cap. And another player, this is going to work into the edge talk, to talk of the edge rushers on this team. And if it's one position that I wish this team targeted more in this offseason, I know that's a tall task to ask, considering how many positions they targeted and how many players they really brought in to give this team a spark plug of talent that it just needed after the season we had last year. If we're talking about a position of need that the Bills have, it's, it's edge rusher. The depth at edge rusher really scares me because mm -hmm. outside of Jerry Hughes, who is going in, who is going to be 31 this season, who do you have? Because if you have Jerry, if Jerry Hughes sprains an ankle, <clears throat> you're talking about starting players like Shaq Lawson, like Trent Murphy. And I'll get to Trent Murphy, but with Shaq Lawson, we've seen him. He's going into his fourth season now. We have seen the lack of pass rush moves, how slow he is off the football. He is primarily an edge defender in the run game solely because he is the last guy off the line of scrimmage, so he has time to react to where the ball is going. Now, that is no – all credit to him for being a solid edge rusher. There is, role, there is a role for a player like Shaq Lawson in this league. It's just with the expectations that come with being a first-round pick that you don't draft edge run defenders in the first round. Nope. Right. No, you, you, the thing is, is that we have been lacking that. And, it's, you know, the problem is, is that Bills fans are – they're used to having those – big edge rushers that put up tons of sacks, you know, we had Mario Williams here, you know, Bruce Smith, Ryan Denny, Aaron Schobel, you know, Bryce Pulp, Phil Hansen, all these guys, they come off that edge. We're, we're Bills fans. We're used to that. And we haven't had that in years, you know, and they, I do agree too. I think that Bills need to address uh, the defensive end in on this team, but you know what? The X factor is going to be Trent Murphy. Finally, after two years, the guy's finally healthy. You know, let's see what he's going to do. You know, you got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. You know, he, he's been working hard. I've seen him out there, you know. And now, like you say, uh, we, we got to have that other edge rusher to match up with Jerry Hughes. Jerry Hughes is a motor constantly. I think he led the league last year in quarterback pressures. He wasn't getting the sacks, but the guy was working hard. He'll get the sacks if the other edge rushers are working and our defensive tackles are working, he'll, the sacks will come. That was the problem in 2018. Jerry Hughes was very productive in getting in the quarterback's face and racking up pressure totals as he did last season. But there was no complimentary rush, whether it be on the opposite edge or up the middle. And the Bills really targeted getting a middle complimentary rush with Ed Oliver. Now they didn't do anything for the complimentary rush on the other side. And you touched on Trent Murphy. Mm -hmm. I want to believe Trent Murphy is going to be good this season. I really do. I, I, I've seen him in person. I've seen him practice. But like I said at the beginning of the show, we have to temper expectations and what we come away with from watching practice, whether it be good takes or bad takes. We have to temper our expectations and not allow practice snaps to dictate what our expectations are going to be for this upcoming season too much. And really, if you look at the face value of what Trent Murphy is as a player. He hasn't really produced since 2016. 
And to put perspective of how long ago 2016 is in the football world, Rex Ryan's last season with the Bills was 2016. But the thing is, too, is he was coming off an ACL tear. Usually right. an ACL tear takes a complete year in order for it to be completely healed. He was pushing it. And the, to put a gauge against how Trent Murphy can perform, I'm going to pull out the Minnesota game. I think that was probably one of the best games that he played last year was against Minnesota. If we can get that every week, dude, come on. He's the X factor all day. The two games that he produced last season the most, it's very notable. Because the two games that he played the best were against Minnesota mm -hmm. and were against Houston. And you know what both of those teams have in common? They both have bottom five offensive lines. Right. They both had very subpar talent along the offensive line. And I don't think that's just a coincidence that those were the two games where Trent Murphy was the loudest. He had four and a half sacks last season. And the Bills have him on a three-year, $27 million contract with an opt-out after this season. And so he still wasn't healthy, though, either last year. He wasn't completely healthy at all. Right. Because the, the muscles, that they, they, try to, they try to overcompensate for having that sore knee. And it's just, it, it's a mental thing. Because yep. he's got to get over the fact that he, he's working on a bum knee. And it really it, – it's been well reported that it takes a season or two for these players to fully come back from a torn ACL. Now, what I think is really key with Trent Murphy is the way his contract is structured. Because you don't put an opt-out – it's obvious that this was in the mind of Brandon Bean and the Bills front office when they structured Trent Murphy's contract. Because you don't put an opt-out after the second season he came back from an ACL tear if you don't – believe that it's a possibility that he doesn't come back it well, was a very smart was, move i actually think it was a protector investment because he right. came in as damaged goods right he, he had to do that because he was bargain bin shopping and he got trent murphy who had produced it before but he hadn't produced in a while he was coming off a torn acl it was very smart to put in that opt-out now what i don't believe was smart is banking on it to actually happen this season you don't have a plan b because if like I said, if Jerry Hughes gets hurt, the Bills' pass rush is going to be very minute and very quiet along the edge of the defense. Well, you got uh, Yarborough and you got Love, Mike Love. And I don't want to start Mike Love or Eddie Yarborough on Sunday, the opposite Shaq Lawson. I, and then you might even have to throw Lorenzo Alexander out there. I'm glad you mentioned Lorenzo Alexander because I think Lorenzo Alexander is really the X factor of this defense when we're talking about edge rushers. Mm -hmm. Here's the weird thing about Lorenzo Alexander. He has been the second best edge rusher on this team quietly for the last handful of years. Since he has come to the team in 2016, he has had 22 sacks. To compare that with Jerry Hughes, since 2016, Jerry Hughes has had 17 sacks. It's obvious that Lorenzo Alexander is a worker when he's on the field. He, over, he outworks people to get to the quarterback. And while he's an aging veteran that the Bills returned on a one-year deal, and he said he was going to retire this season, I think the best way you can use Lorenzo Alexander is not as an off-ball linebacker. Put him on the line of scrimmage on passing downs situationally opposite Jerry Hughes. Then you have Ed Oliver in the middle, you have Jerry Hughes on the other edge, and you have Lorenzo Alexander opposite him. And I think that is, a, that, that is the best pass-rushing set of those three players, you could throw Shaq Lawson in there at the opposite three technique with next to next to Ed Oliver. You can mix it up a little bit, but I think Lorenzo Alexander is the real X factor, and he's going to be the player that's really going to make a difference for this pass rush, considering we were 26th in the league in sacks last year.
they can mix them up too on that off the defensive line. They don't always have to keep them on the outside. You know, you can bring them in the A gap. You can bring them in the B gap, wherever you want to see fit. But I think Lorenzo Alexander is a guy that has a high motor and he's always eating after the quarterback. I don't know why they don't convert him to a defensive end. You know what I mean? Keep him on the outside. Yeah. I, I really think you're going to see him more playing that edge rusher role this season because you don't really see this team going into base defense all that often. You don't see that much in the NFL today anyways. And given the depth and the amount of players that we have that we can bring into the nickel, bring into the nickel package, like a Teron Johnson, like Kirk Coleman, like Saran Neal, who has been looking very good so far in camp. You talk about the variety of players and the variety of matchups that you can get with those players in the nickel, in the nickel set. I don't really see the necessity of just, throwing at throwing Lorenzo Alexander at off all linebacker if you're a nickel if you're a nickel you bring Lorenzo Alexander off of the edge of the defense the reason why you're going to be a nickel is because it's a passing league a lot of people don't run the base defense like you said anymore and it is all passing that's why you put the nickel out there probably run nickel or dime so you have more dbs out there but you still got to ultimately put pressure we already know that that's what Bean and Frazier and McDermott want they want to get more pressure on the quarterback it didn't happen last year we didn't put a lot of pressure on the quarterback but our secondary is what kept us from you know having a second rated defense in the past because we were knocking balls down we had a ton of batted balls and not as many picks but a lot of batted balls and that's that's a hats off to the secondary but if you put a pressure front seven uh, with that secondary, I can see us being a number one ranked defense all day. It's going to be very dynamic with the combination of players we have in the secondary, whether it be Trey White, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, Levi Wallace coming off of a very solid second backstretch to, to his rookie year, EJ Gaines or Kevin Johnson. We have a lot of depth at the back end of the defense. And I'm glad you touched on it because the dynamic – front four that the Bills had with the Cole front with Jerry Hughes, Kyle Williams, and Marcel Darius in their prime, Mario Williams. That was so dynamic. It made the whole defense on every level better. That secondary, it made the linebackers look better. It affects the whole, it affects the whole defense. And well, it just, you're kind of talking about it. We have a rookie defensive end that we picked up too in the draft. You're right. I forgot to talk about Daryl Johnson. Yeah. And I, I shouldn't because Daryl Johnson – I talk about tempering expectations for, for camp. And when you're talking about a seventh round pick, you can't have much of any expectations for right. a seventh round pick. We have two draft, we have two draftees that were, that really, no one's really been saying much about them. And that one is that Voshan, that Voshan, um, actually, yeah, Joseph. I mean, that kid is, he's a beast. He's fast. Right, Sean Joseph is really going to be groomed to take over for Lorenzo yeah. Alexander because if you look at what Sean McDermott does with his defenses, he typically has his outside linebackers be those smaller frame guys. And while there is a will and there is a Sam, but they're both smaller guys that can run in the defense and cover and run sideline and sideline. I think Voshan Joseph is going to be groomed to become the 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 predecessor to Lorenzo Alexander after his career is over with. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of impressed with this kid, too. Uh, you're not hearing much about him, but like I said, he, he's another one that could be, a, you know, a playmaker this year that we don't know about, you know, and that's what happens. Whenever you go into the draft, you always want to have, no matter how many draft picks you have, you always want to get three day one starters out of the draft if you can. And we already got one right now. It looks like uh, 
Oliver may be that starter. And then you're looking at a couple of these tight ends that we have between Sweeney and maybe Dawson Knox. Those could be the other one. But maybe this Joseph linebacker, he could be that other one. I, I, I don't think Joseph's going to start. I think you're going to see – remember what you saw from Matt Milano his rookie year? Yeah. Bills, the, you saw him flourish on special teams, and he was making plays every Sunday on special teams. And then they started sprinkling him in with the defense. And eventually veteran linebacker Ramon Humber hurt his thumb, and Matt Milano took over. And his athleticism is really what separated him from the other linebackers that could have been the Will linebacker. So would you rather have Lacey out there or Joseph? On special teams? No, I'm, as if, if there was an injury. I'd rather have Joseph out there, but <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Deion okay. Lacey, he's solely a special teams player. But I mean, I thought last year when we lost Milano, I thought that was a drop off. I didn't feel we had enough depth at the linebacker position. Right. Now back to the edge rusher you to- you spoke of with Daryl Johnson. Seeing this guy in person, he is a physical, genetic freak. He is a he's what six foot five, two hundred and fifty six pounds. Yeah, he's big. from North, North Carolina A&T, a small school, a school comparable, uh, I believe it's Div- Division One AA. The school that Zay Jones went to, ECU, is Division One AA. It's a similar – it's a comparable school. The guy, he produced at, at, at North Carolina A&T, and now they bring him in because of his physical traits, and his physical traits are something to be very optimistic about. And he has been explosive, and he has made many splash plays, whether he's with the twos, or he's with the threes, he has looked good. And he's making, a, he's making a name for himself and giving the coaches a reason to notice him and possibly earning himself a spot on this roster while he's in competition with guys like Mike Love, guys like Eli Harold and Eddie Yarbrough at the bottom end of that edge rusher role on this defense. Right. And one play specifically that, not- that I noticed when I was watching in person was he was running with the twos. Matt Barkley was in at quarterback. Barkley must have thrown a very short, a, a low pass, and the guy just jumped up and snatched it right out of the air, right at the line of scrimmage. He fell right down with the ball. It was, it was an impressive play, and it really gives you an idea of the kind of athletic freak that the kid really is with the size he has, with the arm length he possesses, and the, ability, and the, the athletic ability as well. It's, he's a real diamond in the rough. I wouldn't expect any production from him this year, if I'm being honest, look out for him in the preseason games, though. He is going to be that – I have a feeling that he's going to be one of those players in the preseason that really just catches fans' attention because he's going to play most of the second half. The, the, the last three quarters of the game, he's going to be in there playing and getting a lot of snaps. So he's going to have plenty of opportunity to make splash plays in game situations and really give fans and coaches a reason to notice him and root for him like we've seen with so many players on the bottom end of Bill's rosters throughout history. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, Fred. Thank you for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it, partner. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say? No, I appreciate you letting me uh, come on your show. I mean, you guys are doing a great thing here. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm ready. I'm pumped. Uh, Bill's season's right around the corner. First preseason game is Thursday night. So, I'll be definitely watching that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm looking forward. I'll be present in person. And I'm your host, Clayton Garrett. Thank you for listening, and this has been the Overtime Podcast presented by the Cold Front Report.